Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Shall we worship? Would you stand and sing with one, us, please? Two, one, two, three, four. And be seated. 
A little of both. Hi, my name is Cheryl Broom, and I'm the senior pastor here at Lotus Hills United Methodist Church, and I am so glad that you are here in worship with us this morning as we begin a four-week sermon series called Hashtag BUMC. You might have seen it up on the board. We spelled out hashtag, which cracks me up every time I look at it. The goal today of Hashtag BUMC is to talk about what it means to be a United Methodist. And we start with Wesley's ground rules, his general rules for life, rules to help us live as Christians. And the first rule is do no harm. You're gonna hear that a lot throughout the service. When you leave here today, you're gonna have a full understanding of what it means to live a Christian life doing no harm. And I'm gonna challenge you at the end of this service to uh, make a pledge to do no harm. Are you excited as I am? Thank you. Bobby and Jenny are excited. The rest of you will come along. Before we start worship, I'd like to introduce Sharon Fitzpatrick, who will give us a few announcements. Good morning. It's hard to follow her, you know what I'm saying? Uh, well, I'm Sharon Fitzpatrick, and I'm a member of Pelotas Hills United Methodist Church, and uh, I... Um, I've been a member of the church about five years or so, and the reason that, that I joined the church is because everybody was so nice to me. And I would like for that to continue. <laughs> oh. If you're a first-time visitor, please let us know by filling out the blue card found in the pew pockets that are on the ends of the aisles. We also have some prayer cards in there for each of you, any of you, to fill out and place them either in the offering plate or in the Welcome Center. Here are some important reminders. The Ad Board will meet Tuesday, January the 17th at 6.30 in the Education Building. Just for Guys invites all you guys to join them at the Barbecue Pit at 6 o'clock. You are invited to bring your own meat to grill. Sides will be provided. And we're back to hosting our um, monthly fellowship dinner. So on Thursday, January the 26th at 6 o'clock, please come. There should be a sign-up sheet in the Welcome Center to give you an, an idea of what you might bring. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's John 8, verse 12. This light is a reminder to stay present to the Lord as he is present with us. Let us welcome the light of Christ as we stand in body or spirit. This morning, the scripture reading is Micah 6, verse 8. If you would like to find it in your pew Bibles, it is on page 851. He has told you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with God. This is the word of God for the people of God. <clears throat> well, let's go before God in prayer. Let us pray, O oh God, our teacher, example, companion. You have shown us what is good and call us to remember that what you require is not repayment of debt or settling the score, but obedience. Today we come to worship you and yet again ask you to show us, God, when to do justice, how to love kindness, and where to walk humbly with you. Amen. 
You may have noticed that Jessie's not here today. She started vacation, and she is cruising, she and her family, so let's be sure and hold them in our prayers. She asked me to do the spark moment, so for little embers of light that need to be sparked, come forward, come forward. Libby, I see the top of your head back there. You can come if you'd like to and sit down, and we'll talk a little bit about what we're going to talk about today in Spark. Spark Worship is a place where our children can go and they run worship parallel to ours. So they talk about the same subjects, but they do a lot more dancing and singing and crafts. Do you want to have worship like that here? Dancing and singing and crafts? (laughs) I think they're talking to you. Well, today we're going to talk about John Wesley. Do you know who he is? Okay, I wouldn't either if I was your age, because he's a super old guy, and he is the one that started Methodism. He was a priest in England, and he met Jesus in a really powerful way, and it changed his life. And so he started working with a, a bunch of other people who loved Jesus, and they were called Methodist because of the method in which they studied and learned about God. One of the things he developed is general rules for people who love Jesus. Like, you distill all the Bible into some rules. Do you have rules at school? What kind of rules? Not to talk while the teacher's talking. That's a good rule. Any other rule about your safety or? Yeah, don't run in the hallways. Those are kind of good rules for us here too, right? Don't talk while the teacher's talking and don't run in the hallways. Um, John Wesley's rules had to do with loving God. And the very first rule he made was, do no harm. Do no harm. What do you think that would be for you in your life? Doing nothing wrong, doing no harm to another person or animal or plant or anything alive. What do you do to do no harm to the planet? Recycle, maybe? Reuse? It sounded dumb. Well, it's really true, though. She was going to say recycle, but you're the only one up here, so I get it. I totally get it. Uh, Recycling is good for the earth, and it's when we reuse things and we don't do further harm to to the earth. What would we might do to people to do no harm? Maybe like if there's an old lady that needs to cross the street, do you ignore her or do you help her? help her. If you ignored her, what would that be like? Maybe kind of doing harm because you see she needs help. Yeah, like your mom brought a chair up here for me so I wouldn't have to struggle to get up off the ground. She could have ignored that, but she didn't want to do no harm, right? Isn't that kind? And that's what John Wesley's first rule was. We're going to talk about that today from Micah 6.8, which we've been singing. We've already been singing. We might dance later. And, and talking about loving kindness, justice, and walking humbly with God. So I hope that you have a wonderful time. And come back and tell me what you did, okay? Because I know you'll be back again, because your mom will. <laughs> so, before you run off to Spark, oh, you're not going to run, because you're not going to do any harm. Let's pray. Okay? Dear Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us rules that help us lead our life life. in joy. joy. Amen. 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 Thanks, Ruby. I'm always so glad to see you.
Have fun. <laughs> We're going to do our prayers of the people, which in general, we um, lift our prayers aloud by giving our name in the name of those we're praying with. Um, you see, Phil the Thrill is back there ready with the microphone to run up to you so that you might share your prayer request uh, with us. On Monday night, we pray right here in the sanctuary. You're welcome to join us where we will pray over all these prayer requests. And as of late, we pray over every name in our directory of every person in this church. We spend time doing that every week. So if you're feeling especially good, that would be why. Thank you. If you have a prayer request, we'll say, Lord, hear our prayer. If it's a praise, we'll say, Lord, hear our praise. So feel free to raise your hand high so that Phil may come and bring you the microphone. I actually have three. Um, Burl Smith is home with a cough, so prayers that the cedar fever goes away. Uh, the other is my sister, Doris, it had a pacemaker battery replacement on Thursday. And her son, Scott, had a spinal cord stimulator replaced on Friday. Thank you. Isn't medicine amazing? Lord, hear our, hear our prayers. prayers. I have a praise. We had both of our daughters home for almost a full week, <laughs> and uh, they're, they're back at their own, own homes now, but we just had a, a great, God really blessed us. A week with family. Lord, hear our praise. I say I have a praise for uh, Carol's report for last week. Her scan came out well. Uh, she has to go in three months for a follow-up. And uh, just prayers that uh, everything would clear up. We pray this. In Jesus' mighty name. Can we say, Lord, hear our praise first? Lord, hear our praise. Prayers for Rhonda's family. Her mom passed away. So if everybody could keep her and the family in your prayers. Thank you. Lord, hear, hear our, our prayers. prayers. Um, I, I would like to lift up the family of Betty Boggs. She's a longtime friend of mine, but... Uh, she had a heart attack on Tuesday, had open heart surgery on Thursday, and did not make it through the surgery. And so I would just like for uh, the church to lift up her family, uh, her husband, Carlos, and her son, Jared. Lord, hear our prayers. I, have a, I had a call from our daughter, uh, Vicki, in Dayton, Ohio, asking for prayers for her son, our grandson, Ryan, who's dealing with depression issues and refuses to seek treatment. So he's very fragile and she's very concerned. Prayers for Ryan. Lord, hear our prayers. I have a praise. It is our son's birthday today. I praise for that and for what a blessing he's been his whole life to us. Lord, hear our praise. Yeah, like a prayer for my travel back to Wisconsin today. Daughter, safe travel. she driving, Roy? Lying. Lying. <laughs> that she gets back today. Lord, hear our prayers. I have another birthday praise. My son in Houston had a birthday this week, 
and he turned 43, and that really makes me feel old. And what's his name? Daniel. Daniel. Lord, hear our praise. Um, I have a couple. Um, my daughter turns 21 tomorrow, and my mom's having a cataract surgery tomorrow, so oh. prayers. So we have a praise and a prayer. Lord, hear our praise, and Lord, Lord, hear hear our prayer. That's Randall one to you. I have a a praise and prayer. Our nephew, Derek, is out of prison for the second time, and so praise for that and prayers that he's finally got his life together. Lord, hear our prayers and prayers. Uh, I would like a praise. Uh, my granddaughter is expecting a little boy in July, so I'll be another great grandpa. <laughs> a great grandpa. As the hair shows. <laughs> She's expecting in July? Lord, hear our praise. Uh, my wife Judith is in bed. She's had pain for a week and a half now. We aren't sure what it is, but we're trying to work it out. But she wants some prayers, please. We pray for Judith to find the source of this and be healed. Lord, hear our prayers. Let's go before the Lord in the silence of our own prayers that we might offer whatever it is on our mind and heart, and then we'll close together with prayer in the Lord's Prayer. Our prayer today is based on the poem, When the Song of Angels is Stilled by Howard Thurman. Let us pray. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and the princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flocks, the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among brothers and sisters. In the heart. This is our prayer for today and for every day. In the name of Jesus who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Today I'll ask you to join me in reading uh, from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 29 and 30, and I believe that is on page 541 in the Old Testament part of your pew Bible. You say 575. All right, who could be first? Look it up. Ah, Carol Ann. All right, today you win the prize. Sharon, what's the prize? Uh, I she gets to take me to lunch. Oh, she, you get to take her to lunch today. <laughs> 
Nobody is ever going to do that again, are they? <laughs> Let's read together from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 29 through 30. Do not plan harm against your neighbor who lives trustingly beside you. Do not quarrel with anyone without cause when no harm has been done to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. I love it when you read with me. Early in his ministry, our founder, John Wesley, realized that once people gave their lives to Christ, that they needed structure, they needed discipline, they needed tangible ways to live out their new faith. So, John Wesley organized people into bands, societies, and classes. And they met every week to get instructions on prayer and to study the Bible. The aim of these groups was to spread scriptural holiness throughout the land. And Wesley's groups were intended as a special leadership and accountability groups. That was the bands. Large group worship, those were called the societies. And small group classes that were called classes. He gave his societies real-world guidelines to help them apply their faith every day to their lives. And he called these general rules, guidelines, to help them apply their faith in the United Societies. They basically boil down to these three simple guidelines or rules. The first one is, do no harm. Yeah, you know that one already. The second one is, do good. These are hard rules. And the third one is are to attend to the ordinances of God or stay in love with God by practicing spiritual disciplines. Now, you may wonder, where in the world did John Wesley get those three rules from? Easily, you see in Scripture we read today, and you also, if you look to Matthew 22, in what we call the great commandment, and it says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus said, all the laws and the prophets rest on these things. Love God, love neighbor. And so John Wesley distilled it. You know, Jesus was a simple guy. He gave us simple rules to follow that we might live. And John Wesley wanted these simple rules too so that people would remember how to live out their faith. And so he distilled this great commandment and other uh, scriptural resources to the rules. Number one, number two, number three, spiritual disciplines. Some people will say stay in love with God. We make it really simple. During the next four weeks, we're going to consider what it means to be United Methodist. Hashtag BUMC. And we're going to use Micah 6.8 as our guiding principle throughout these weeks. As Sharon just read to you this morning, the scripture says, He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God. And although this sounds really simple, right? If you put these rules up, you think, yeah, I can live these rules every single day. Life is complex, and it is very difficult to always do no harm because that requires that we think carefully about what we say, we think carefully about what we do, how we spend our resources, our time, our talents, 
Is it really possible to do no harm? Yeah, it sounds simple. Yet living out these simple rules can be very difficult. When I googled church hurts, and by the way, there's a group in a podcast called Church Hurts, I got 135 million responses in 48 seconds. 135 million people have uh, web pages and comments and podcasts about how church has hurt them. And recently, I heard that pastors on the top of the list now for PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, because of how the church sometimes hurts them. And as a result, both pastors and regular people are leaving the church. Or they're not even coming, because sometimes church hurts. And I've got to tell you, it's perplexing, because if we were following Wesley's rules, if we were being Methodist, United Methodist, we would simply try harder to do no harm. And if we could do that, imagine how the world would be changed, one life at a time. But sadly, we don't do that. We're flawed. We're imperfect people. We are capable of making mistakes and hurting others. Yet John Wesley would challenge us to remember we are called as a gathered people who work out our salvation with fear and trembling and mindfully, carefully, prayerfully do no harm. Now John Wesley was teaching and preaching people and leading people to Christ by the thousands in a world at the time that was changing very rapidly. The economy was changing. The social structure of life was changing. The government was changing. And the three simple rules he gave to them were in part what helped Methodists stay grounded during all these changes. Today, the world is changing, wouldn't you say? At a dizzying rate. The economy is changing. Society is changing. The government is changing. And technology, every time you blink your eye, technology is changing rapidly. And this is the world we live in today. And these three simple rules can amazingly keep us moored to our faith. They are relevant today, just as they were when John Wesley put the rules together. With rule number one, Mr. Wesley did not dance around the need for spiritual discipline. This, John Wesley's words, they come from our book of discipline. Imagine that. The book of discipline, uh, 2016, says this. These are Wesley's words. There is only one condition previously required of those who desire admission into these societies, a desire to flee the wrath to come and be saved from their sins. And he continues... Wherever this is really fixed in the soul, it will be shown by its fruits. And therefore, it is expected that all would continue therein. They should show evidence of their desired salvation. First, he writes, by doing no harm. By avoiding all evil of every kind, especially that which is generally practiced. He further goes on to say things like drunkenness, fighting, brawling, slaveholding, buying or selling slaves, tax fraud, loan fraud, shady business practices, taking the Lord's name in vain. 
quite a comprehensive list he had. And frankly, most Christians would say, I'm good. I don't do any of those things. Or at least we shouldn't do those things. But there is one surefire way of doing harm that we probably don't realize that we do it. Or that we're supposed to not do that. Wesley says, do no harm by avoiding every kind of evil, especially that which is generally practiced. Hmm. Many of us hear that rule, do no harm, and we think, well, I've never killed anybody. I've never cheated on my spouse. Hello, Kevin. And we may think, I'm just saying that to you, I've never cheated on my spouse. I've never killed anybody yet. <laughs> yet. So I really haven't done any harm, right? I should get a free pass on this. And yet, there's a form of evil that is generally practiced in society that is widely practiced in the church. It is so commonly practiced that we don't even think it's a big deal. And it does tremendous harm, and it's got to stop. I'm talking about the harm we do with our tongues. The words we say, the way we talk to each other, the way we talk about each other, the negativity, the gossip, the sarcasm, the insults, the put-downs, the backstabbing, the viciousness... What we say matters. Words matter. How we speak matters. What we post matters. And we do great harm through gossip. A little word of gossip from our mouth can destroy a family, a relationship, a reputation, a church, a community. Some people think that gossip is when you spread rumors that are not true, but gossip is more than that. If I talk badly about someone who is not present, it's gossip. If I talk about someone who's not present and I share things without that person's permission, it's gossip. If I talk about someone who's not present and I say anything that is motivated to tear the person down, it's gossip. And what I might be saying is true, but it doesn't mean I ought to be saying it. I didn't get an amen to that, Sharon. Amen. Thank you. That's why she's living another day. John Wesley said, of all the gossiping, religious gossiping is the worst. He said it adds hypocrisy and effectively does the work of the devil in the name of the Lord. I love that John Wesley, don't you? He doesn't mince words. And he takes our spiritual discipline seriously. Another way that we do harm with our words is when we say hurtful things to each other. Too many times when we're angry or frustrated, we yell, we scream, we threaten, we criticize, we use bad language, and that's just me in the car, right? We think it's no big deal how people talk, not realizing when we open our mouth and say whatever comes out, the untamed tongue just goes, we may be injecting deadly poison into our relationships, into our families, into our children, into our workplace, and even into our church and communities. John Gottman is a famous psychologist that did a lot of research on marriages. And he has, like, called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. He can tell from interviewing married couples within like 30 seconds whether that marriage is going to last or not. And he can tell by the way they talk to each other. He said that 
It takes five positive affirmations to overcome one, one negative impact. One negative statement, which means two things. If you have something to say negative to a family member on the way to church, you better get busy fixing your harm because it's going to take five positive interactions to turn around that one negative word that you did. To do no harm means that we've got to watch what we say. And that's hard. Too often we harm each other with our words, our insults, our put-downs, our angry sarcasms. For instance, I read a story, you're going to love this story, about a young man who just started a job at the grocery store. And he was in the produce department. And a woman came up to him and said she wanted to buy half a head of lettuce. And he's like, you can't buy half a head of lettuce. Well, I just need half a head of lettuce. Can't you get me half a head of lettuce? Ma'am, I don't think we can sell you half a head of lettuce. She said, well, I really just need half a head of lettuce. He said, fine, let me go back to the back of the store and ask the manager what he says. So he marched to the back of the store, not realizing she was right behind him. He gets to the manager and he says, there's this old bat out here who will not shut up and she wants half a head of lettuce. And the manager is looking horrified because he sees her. And he turns around and says, and this lady wants to buy the other half. Is that okay? <laughs> By the way, I am forever grateful if you're talking about me and I walk up and you stop. <laughs> Just stop. Yeah, this is what we do, unfortunately, um, and this is what we say. And we harm others with our words and actions. And we don't realize that when we talk bad about another person, we're speaking before God. And we don't realize that each of us are made in the image of God. And therefore, when you talk like that, you're insulting God. Let's get a little real, right, Carol? Let's get serious about this because we are God's children made in God's image no matter how silly we become or say or do. And so I caution you to be careful about insulting God or God's children. Brothers and sisters, when it comes to what we say and how we talk, too often we're taking our cues from society. Our meetings become like a Jerry Springer show. Do y'all know Jerry Springer? Is that old school? Jerry Springer, look him up. That's what our meetings become when we talk to each other and insult each other and have sarcasms and put-downs. And then we seem to think if what we say is true, then how we say it doesn't matter. And we seem to think that politicians and leaders and public figures are not human beings, that they are not loved by Jesus, and that they are not created in the image of God. But it is not okay to say nasty things about them and to wish harm on them. Guiding us, growing like Jesus in grace and love, the number one rule is even to those, especially to those whom you may not agree. When John Wesley described the act of doing no harm, his first rule, he gave examples of what he meant by doing no harm. He expected that Methodists would refrain from participating in behavior and practices that harm individuals, individuals' relationship with God, individuals' relationship with their neighbors, even themselves. So doing no harm in the world, even the environment, is a choice. As United Methodists, we have no option other than love. That's why we're here. We believe in the method of loving others. 
in acts of justice and kindness and charity and graciousness. As we live at our Christian witness, we have to consider how we live, what we say, and what we do. You're an example. When you leave this place and pull out in the street, you are an example of Christ Jesus our Lord. And as Christians, we are accountable. First, we're accountable to ourselves. We are accountable to our family. We're accountable to society because ultimately we are representing God. And this way of living embodies the great commandment that Jesus gave us to love God and to love others as we love ourselves. And if we are constantly seeking ways to help others, that action will automatically mean that you will do no harm. This is the good news. There's good news in this. Imagine a world where Christian love and values are commonplace. Imagine a world where love, you can be loved and love others without fear of damage or shame. I think we would call that heaven on earth. In the weeks to come, as we consider hashtag BUMC, we will use Micah 6.8 as our guiding verse. As it says, as Sharon said, you're going to have it memorized by the end of this. He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. These general rules are the best reminders to help us stay grounded in Christ. These class societies is worship, the band's classroom. And we stay focused on Jesus. And he realized, Wesley, that in keeping these general rules, we would live a life of faith, always mindful, even in the chaos of our days, in the way the world is. God intended us to obey these simple rules to do no harm, to do good. And the third rule, attend to God's, stay in love with God. I know, I'll I'll pick one of those and stick with it. Do no harm, do good, stay in love with God. As we consider what the Lord requires us to do, I'm going to ask you to think about and then commit or recommit your life to Jesus Christ today, this moment, this hour, and make a pledge. Make a pledge today that you're going to do no harm. Get with a group of people to be held accountable so that you can tell them what's going on in your life and they can help you stay accountable to God. And when you are approached with someone with mean language or gossip, I want you just to say, I promised to do no harm and walk away. Can you do it? Will you do it? Yes. I heard a few yeses. If you pledge to do this today, will you say amen? Amen. Amen. Your gifts help to provide a place to gather and worship Jesus, to hear his call, and to respond in his service for the world. One reason I give to the church is because it gives me an opportunity to provide services to others locally and around the world that I could not do by myself. But through my giving combined with everyone's giving, many things can be accomplished. So let's bow in prayer. Our God, we thank you today for your blessings that you bestow upon us all. 
Lord, may we all give with gladness and sincerity. Let us be ever mindful that every good gift comes from you, and we are happy to return to you a portion of our blessings to use in this church. We ask that you bless these tithes and offerings this day, offered in gratitude and love. Amen. Will the ushers please come forward? Let us stand in body or spirit as we sing our praise song together, the doxology. grateful for you sending people and processes and your spirit ahead of us that we might do your will and work in the world bless this giving supernaturally that we might reach beyond these walls beyond this city and show people the hope of Jesus Christ this we ask in his name through the power of the Holy Spirit amen amen Amen. so every week at church I invite you to be part of the church if you're not a member come forward and we'll gladly accept you in membership but once you're a member your discipleship is not over you're called to go back into the world to give your life for Christ and this week we're going to be ever mindful that we will do rule number one to do no harm harm. it's an important job and this world needs you and needs your light our kids need you and need your light So I challenge you to go forth into this world to do that. Thank you so much for you making it a priority to come here as the gathered. You are the societies of the United Methodist Church. And you are to go forth into this world to do no harm. So I pray you strength and courage to do so. Amen? Amen. Let's go forth in peace. (laughs) 